Well, today we are continuing our series on divine emotions. And today we're talking about jealousy. How God is jealous for you. A man who was wrestling with jealousy once wrote into a Dear Abby column. Dear Abby, he wrote, My cat Rosie seems to be fixated on my next-door neighbor, Ron. Every morning, Rosie grooms herself for an hour, then jumps in the window to watch Ron go for his morning run. She sits there until Ron comes out of his house. He exercises a lot, and he's kept himself in shape. Well, I admit, I have let myself go. As soon as she sees him, Rosie starts purring. And I I have to say I resent this. I provide her with room and board and brush her regularly. But while I'm doing it, she watches out the window intently and then bolts to her lookout position if Ron appears. I bought new window treatments, which she scratched her way through, damaging the blinds and shades. Nothing deters her. I love my cat, but I feel she is being unfaithful. (laughs) What should I do? (laughs) Postscript, I'm happily married, my wife thinks I'm crazy, and Rosie has been fixed. From James in Delaware. Dear James, Abby wrote back, what a sad situation. Few things in life were more painful than being rejected by a love object. You didn't mention how sedentary you are, but it's possible that Rosie watches Ron because he's a moving object. (laughs) Consider joining Ron on his runs, and you may find Rosie is watching you too. However, if that doesn't work, you may have to share the affections affections of your cat. Accept it. I love those Dear Abby columns. They're, They're a lot of fun. When we first say that God is jealous, something happens inside of us. We feel a little bothered. Because God is supposed to be perfect. And in our culture, jealousy is a bad thing. It is not a positive trait. You're supposed to trust your loved one instead of feeling jealous. We get this from our television shows. They tell us that we should trust the people we're we're dating. We should trust our spouse instead of feeling jealous. Now, now, trust within the marriage relationship, that is good. You know, we, we, we want to be, it is good to trust your spouse. And what happens sometimes is that people begin to feel suspicious of their spouse when they don't have a good reason to feel suspicious. And, we, and that's not good. Suspicion that is not based on anything is, you know, a baseless fear. It's a bad type of fear. But what I'm going I'm to go out on a limb today, and I am going to suggest that we have gone too far as a culture. We've gotten to the point where any jealousy is bad because you're just supposed to trust your spouse, period. But I would argue our relationships are not that simple. Let me give you an example. I distinctly remember this conversation um, I was having, and there was actually a few people in the room um, for this conversation, and this, this, this husband and wife were talking, and the husband mentioned how he would go to strip clubs, and the people who were part of this conversation, you know, turned to the wife and they were, you know, they were surprised by this and they said, you know, doesn't that bother you? And she said, no. A lot of wives would feel jealous, but I don't feel jealous. I trust him. We have a rule. You can look, but you can't touch. You can look, but you can't touch. 
First off, I was flabbergasted. I, I mean, like, even if I didn't care about living for God, even if I didn't, like, want to live a good life, even if I didn't care about that, I don't know if I'd feel good about that. I mean, would you feel good about that? Um, now, you could, you could just say, we could say that they have incredible trust. But what about the couple that says, you can look and you can touch, but you just can't sleep together? Do they have greater trust? And you could go further. But where, where, where does it stop becoming trust and just begin to be foolishness? And is it okay to feel jealous when they are taking real steps towards a relationship with another person? You see, it's okay to have boundaries, and it's okay to feel jealous when those boundaries are being crossed. In fact, it's important to have boundaries in the marriage relationship. Even this couple had boundaries. Their boundaries were just really wide. And so different couples are going to have different boundaries, and we can't look down on another couple because they have boundaries that are different than our own. The marriage relationship is precious to God. This is profoundly precious And these boundaries provide a hedge of protection around something that is of great worth to us and to God. And godly wisdom helps us figure out where we need to lay those boundaries for our marriages. So we have these boundaries, and it's okay to feel jealous when your spouse is violating those boundaries. Our world tells us that jealousy is not an okay emotion, that it demonstrates a lack of trust. But the Bible tells us something different. Jealousy is a word that God is proud to put upon himself. Because his jealousy, godly jealousy, does not stem from a lack of trust, but from a passionate desire for us, a desire to protect. Uh, Here's what Exodus 34, 14 says. You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Every once in a while, I will talk with someone who has recommitted their life to God. It's a wonderful thing. And they communicate to me in that conversation that they're concerned that that once they go out the doors, uh, wherever we're at, once they go out in the real world, they're just going to stray away from God again. And they know they have this tendency to stray, and they don't want to, but they just don't know how to keep themselves close to God, keep themselves from straying. Now, we often encourage people who are feeling this way to stay connected into Christian fellowship. Go to church, go to a small group, you know, you know have, have, have invite God to be a part of your life every day. And, th- and those things are really important. We think those things are key to staying connected with God and not straying from Him. But as we look at God's jealousy today, I think within this divine emotion of jealousy, we are going to find some real principles, actually some new principles, for how to keep ourselves from straying from God. We're all prone to stray from God, right? These people aren't unusual. There's this classic hymn that that I think communicates what is on our hearts. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. If we're honest with ourselves, that's who we are, right? But how, how can we keep ourselves from wandering? What safeguards can we take? Well, God's jealousy is one of those safeguards. 
We're going to look at actions you can take connected to God's jealousy that will help to keep you from straying from him. The first one is if you want to keep yourself from straying from God, the most essential thing you need to do is you need to get emotionally involved in this relationship with God the way he is emotionally involved in the relationship with you. You need to get emotionally involved with God the way he is emotionally involved with you. This week, I was trying to get a feel for this emotion, jealousy, and I found that I needed to look up a definition for the word jealousy. You know, jealousy can mean a lot of different things. And so here's a definition that I found to be helpful. Jealousy often refers to feelings of concern or anxiety over the possibility of losing something of great value, especially when it comes to a human connection. Concern or anxiety over the possibility of losing something of great value, especially in the realm of human connections. So the way it works is you have this relationship that's really important to you, like someone you're married to, someone you're dating, and you, when you start to feel this, that there's this possibility that they may be, you may be losing them to someone else, you feel jealous. And what's illuminating about this understanding of jealousy is that it helps us realize why God is jealous for us. The reason is God is so jealous is because our relationship with him is of such great value to him. We are of, of such great value to God. And that's why we're, he's worried about losing us. That's why he feels concern. He gets, he gets feeling jealous because we're important to him. So one of the interesting things about jealousy, though, is that it's not a small emotion. You know, it's not this under-the-current thing. Jealousy, the word jealous, is actually derived in part from the word zealous. And you can actually see that, jealous, zealous. Um, And zealous means passionate. Jealousy communicates, within jealousy, there's emotion, there's, there's enthusiasm, excitement, passion. It is a strong, it is a strong emotion. And here's what Proverbs says about jealousy. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? Jealousy is a powerful, powerful emotion. And the scriptures tell us that God is fiercely jealous for us with a passionate desire. He gets really concerned when he sees us drifting from him because we're so important to him. You see, jealousy is, it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes we want people to be jealous over us, don't we? You know, when I was younger and starting to date, I remember seeing this dynamic. Maybe you can identify with this in some respect. You know, sometimes a guy and a girl, they will like each other. Maybe they're dating. Um, They're interested talking with each other. And the girl, in order to see how much interest the guy has in her, um, she will go and flirt with another guy while he's in the room and just to see how bothered he gets, to kind of gauge, how, gauge his interest in her. And then she knows how much interest he has in her by how, how, how bothered he gets. She, she's, like, she's wanting him to be jealous over her. I don't get it. Um, you're like, you like one guy, but you're flirting with the other guy to make him jealous on purpose. So it's, it's, it's kind of confusing. But sometimes we want people... We want someone to be jealous over us. And what's interesting about this is it reflects our desire to be pursued. We want to be wanted. We want someone, you want someone to be crazy about you, don't you? Well, God is crazy about you. He is crazy about you. 
He's emotionally involved in this relationship. And when he even sees the hint that you are drifting away from him, he gets concerned. He starts feeling jealous. There's, if there's one thing that God's jealousy tells us about himself, it tells us that he is emotionally involved in this relationship. Well, what we need to realize is that this relationship is out of proper balance. Because on one side, we have God who is just in deep. He is like head over heels, crazy mad in love with us, and just totally in with both feet. And on the other side, we've got us, and we're a little bit wishy-washy. We don't, we don't know what we want, right? And that's why we wander away from God. You see, it's not easy to walk away from a relationship where you're emotionally involved. You know, if you're in a dating relationship where you're in deep, you're totally connected to this person, you know, even if there's some sort of major problem in the relationship and you're kind of thinking about uh, move, walking away, you, you, could, you couldn't just walk away as if nothing had ever happened, right? If you're married, maybe, maybe you're having a difficult time. It's really rough. Let's say it's really rough. You can't just move on as if that marriage meant nothing to you. You just can't do that. It just, there's, there's an emotional connection. You're tied up with the marriage covenant and your years together. You are emotionally involved, even if you wanted to. You couldn't just walk away easily. The emotional involvement provides a protection for ourselves. It keeps us connected with God. And if you want to be in a relationship with God that is growing and stable, to prevent the likelihood that you'll just drift away, you need to get emotionally involved. And if we get emotionally involved, we will be ju- we'll just be less likely to walk away from him and pursue someone or something else. You know, because what happens is you start walking away and you start feeling something in your heart. It's like, I just feel like I'm hurting this other person. I'm hurting and they're hurting. I'm emotionally involved here. I just can't just walk away. And there's a protection there. So how do we get more emotionally involved in a relationship with God? How do you do that? Well, some of you are really relationship cautious, right? You, you've, you've gone into relationships, you jumped in maybe a little too fast, a little too soon, and uh, maybe gotten burned, and you just don't want to get involved in a relationship too fast. Others of you are ready to get emotionally involved with God. You're just wanting that. You're ready for that. Well, I would like to give both of you some relationship advice from our good friend, the Internet. Um, we, he, he's, he, uh, he, he, there's a lot of relationship advice on the Internet, right? And I'm not going to endorse any Internet relation, uh, relationship advice, but I just want to give you, tell you what the Internet has to say because there's a lot he has to say. So uh, if you don't want to get emotionally involved with God, you can just follow this relationship advice from the internet. And, uh, and then we're going to talk about advice for those who do want to get emotionally involved. So if you don't want to get involved in any relationships, you know, you're, you don't want to get involved, um, including a relationship with God, here's, here's what the internet says you should do. Maybe this is what you want. I don't know. So first, analyze the relationship. Analyze the relationship and, th- and think it over rather than jumping in with your, with your emotions. Sometimes we do that with God, right? You know, we analyze the relationship and we think about, you know, if we're doing all the right things or you know, do I have enough belief, you know, or, or we just are wondering, you know, am I just making mistakes, too many mistakes for him? Am I messing up the relationship? You know, sometimes we just, we just think and think and we spend more time thinking about the relationship than actually having the relationship, right? And so if you don't want to get emotionally involved with God, just overthink it. And I analyze and analyze and always wonder if you're doing everything perfectly. Um, second, control your emotions. Subdue your emotions. 
Uh, don't get, let, your, let yourself get carried away. This is from the internet again. Uh, don't let yourself get carried away with love or affection. Don't get too excited. Uh, don't, ex- don't express how you feel in the moment. Don't do that. Um, don't be emotional. Stifle how you feel about God, and you're less likely to get emotionally involved. I'm being facetious here. I hope you are picking up on that. Okay, so uh, don't, don't, here's, here's, this is the relation, this is the internet again. I I did not come up with these. These are straight off, these are straight from the the internet. Uh, Don't spend all of your time with this one person. Have a life that is totally independent from them. A portion of your life where you don't think about them at all. Uh, So if you don't want to get emotionally involved with God, you just section off areas of your life where, you know, he's, there's, you don't involve him at all. There's no influence at all. In fact, the more the better, and your lives will not be intermingled. Be independent from God. Don't depend on Him for everything. The more independent you are from Him, the more you'll be on your way to some great emotional distance. Uh, Number four, here's a good one. This is a real good one. Don't make any commitments. You don't want to get emotionally involved? Don't make any commitments. At least be slow to make commitments. The less commitments, the better, right? Uh, commitments are going to get you emotionally involved every time. In fact, if you don't want to get emotionally involved, just go through the relationship always ready to walk away when you feel like things aren't working out right. You know, just do that. Uh, you know, we're going to have a baptism in a few weeks. That's a commitment. You know, if you, if you, don't, if you want to stay emotionally distant from God, you definitely don't want to get baptized. So yeah, don't do that. Um, number five, finally, again, all this stuff is straight from the internet. Um, I, spend more time focusing on yourself and doing things for yourself. Uh, If you don't want to get emotionally involved with God, be self-focused. I even have a quote. The internet told me, and I quote, focus on making yourself happy first, and then with whatever reserves you have left, focus on the relationship. Do that, and you won't get emotionally involved. Now, if you do want to get emotionally involved with God, you just do all the opposites, you know, of those things. So, now, I was being facetious. Of course, I don't want you to get emotionally distant with God. I want you to jump in with both feet, to be emotionally involved, so involved that you'll never be able to walk away because you're just in too deep. And as I've gone through this, what should be partially disturbing for us is how often we do these very things right? We do some of these things, and they keep us from being close to God. We avoid commitments with Him. We meter the time we spend with Him, only so much. We have portions of our life that are completely independent from His influence. We put caps on our emotional expressiveness in worship. We focus on ourselves, and we leave the leftovers of the reserves for our relationship with God. So hopefully that paints a little bit of a picture of what needs to change if we're going to be more emotionally involved with this God who is crazy for us. But I want to give you a few more practical encouragements, real, real practical things that we can do. First one is be more emotionally involved in worship. You know, I know this is kind of tough. Sometimes we just get stuck or, you know, it's a common thing. It's a natural thing. You're, you're in worship, and you're, th- you're wondering what the person next to you or the person behind you is thinking about you. And you don't want to be a little, you don't want to be too emotional, or you don't want to do something weird because you're worried of what they'll think. Well, you know, and, and part, of, part of our problem there is that we're worried about losing control. You know, if, if, we, if I get emo- start getting emotional, I feel like I'm going to lose control. 
What I want to communicate is that you're not losing control when you express your emotions to God. You still have control over yourself. It just, it just feels that way. The singing form of worship is an important opportunity to connect with God on an emotional level. You know, you, we, we recognize we're all emotional people. I hope we're, we're on the same page there. Nobody in here is emotionless. You are a person. You have emotions. We're all that way. And we need to connect with God on that level. So don't put a cap on your emotions. To be more emotionally connected with God, we need to weep with Him when He weeps. And we need to rejoice with Him when He rejoices. You know, if you see something that grieves the Spirit of God, you see someone being oppressed, you see a marriage break up, when you see someone trapped in a problem lifestyle, they're walking away from God, and we need to feel God's sorrow over those situations. Weep with Him over the things that really grieve His heart. And then the same with rejoicing. He rejoices. You guys know that, that God rejoices. He gets excited. He gets, he gets, when someone commits their life to Christ, when someone celebrates one year clean from an addiction, when, when a marriage is here, when people find personal healing, you need to rejoice over those things the way he rejoices. He gets like really excited. Get excited about what he is excited about and weep with him over what he weeps about. So the point of all this is to say, if you want to prevent yourself from straying from God, you got to get emotionally connected with Him, and there's a protection in that. You won't just walk away. The second thing you need to do to keep yourself from straying from God is to realize what a small stray step does to the heartstrings of God. You need to realize what even just a little stray step does to His heart. The heart of God is pained by our disobedience and our rebelliousness. You know, in this passage we're going to look at here, it could be said, it's speaking about the people of Israel, but it could be said of any one of us. This is God speaking in Jeremiah chapter 3. This is what he says. I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I looked forward to your calling me father, And I wanted you never to turn from me. But you have been unfaithful to me, you people of Israel. You've been like a faithless wife who leaves her husband. Don't those sound like the words of a parent in pain? You see, when we stray from God, he gets bothered. He actually feels pain. He feels pain. Psalm 78, it says that when Israel was traveling through the wilderness and they were rebelling against God, that it grieved his spirit, that's the words they use, grieved his spirit. God's jealousy is filled with pain. His jealousy is also filled with passion. Psalm 79 says that his jealousy burns like a fire. He is zealous. Why? Because his love for us is so passionate that when he feels jealousy, it is with a passion. God cares about us. His jealousy is passionate. His jealousy is also protective, Jealousy has many facets. We use this word in a lot of different ways. But did you know that jealousy has a protective dynamic to it? For example, here's one of the definitions of jealousy. It's, it's a vigilance in guarding something. A vigilance in guarding something. The example sentence they provide in the dictionary is that the American people are jealous of their freedoms. We are jealous of those things. We, we're protective, right? We don't want to lose those things. In the same way, God is jealous for you. He's protective. 
God's jealousy has a protective side. It, he, God's jealousy is, is pained, it is, it is passionate, and it is also protective. And, and here's the thing about God's jealousy. When he is filled with his jealousy, he doesn't just sit there and feel it. He takes action. He does things to get us back. One thing he does is he sends us conviction. You, you took a step you shouldn't. Some people like to call it your conscience, but uh, we call it God. You, you start to feel this weight in your chest, and you know in your heart that you made a mistake. And there's this still small voice telling you to turn around and take the step back, to undo what you've done. It's a warning. It's one of the many actions God takes out of a protective and passionate jealousy for you. He sends us conviction. Sometimes we don't heed the conviction, uh, but God doesn't stop taking action. He loves us too much. He actually goes and intercepts our circumstances. Have you ever done that? You, you, you know you're going down a wrong path, and all of a sudden, boom, the option isn't even available to you anymore. And you're like, oh, thanks, God. And it's like, wow, I was really going down a wrong path. I'm glad he intercepted that. Um, there's, there's a story in the Bible about a guy named Balaam. He's a prophet of God, which means that he's good at listening uh, to God and hearing God accurately. Well, the king of Moab is uh, over in his Moab area, and he sees all these Israelites. There's millions of them, and they're coming up out of Egypt, and he's like, good grief, they're looking like they're ready to attack me. And so he calls up Balaam, and he says, hey, Balaam, there's these Israelites on my door. Could you come over and curse them for me? And, you know, you curse them, they lose in battle, you know, you help me out. Well, Balaam starts off on his donkey, and before long, he's on this road, and there's this angel in the middle of the road. And Balaam can't see the angel, but the donkey can. And so they're walking down the road, and as they do, the donkey veers off the road and walks out into the field. And this is annoying. Um, Balaam gets off his, his donkey, and he starts uh, hitting him and beating him with his stick and gets his donkey back on the road. So they get back on the road, and they're going a little bit farther. And eventually they come to this spot where there's this wall, and the road's, road's next to a wall, and there's the angel again. And the donkey is like trying to avoid the angel. He doesn't want to walk into the angel. So he's, he's, he's kind of brushing up close to the wall, and he gets too close to the wall, and he crushes Balaam's foot. And Balaam's like, ow, and he gets off his donkey, and he just beats his donkey again. And, uh, and then he gets him back on the road, and they're going back on the road. And so they're going down the road, and eventually they just get to the spot where there's a wall on both sides of the road, and it's really skinny, and the angel's there again. The donkey goes up, and he doesn't want to run into the angel, and he just, he just sits down. And Balaam, he gets off his donkey, and he just goes to town beating on his donkey, and he's so frustrated. Now, Balaam is a prophet. He's supposed to be pretty good at listening for God. His donkey is a very obedient donkey. He's never done anything like this before. And yet, Balaam does not get the hint. You see, sometimes God speaks to us through our circumstances, and Balaam, of all people, should have been able to read the circumstances here. There was something wrong about this trip to go curse the people of Israel. His donkey was acting seriously weird. Balaam was experiencing very unusual resistance on this trip. Well, Balaam, for whatever reason, maybe it's the money. Um, you know, maybe, he, maybe he's excited about the money he's going to get from cursing Israel. Maybe He's just not tuned in to God. He's not ready to listen to God. And so... Eventually, as he's beating the donkey, 
God lets the donkey talk. And, and the donkey says, I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life. Think about it. Have, you ever, have I ever done anything like this before? And Balaam realizes what's going on. God opens his eyes and he sees the angel there in the middle of the road. And he and the angel have a disciplined conversation. And essentially the angel says, Balaam, you need to listen up. You're not listening to God. Go to the king of Moab, but listen up and only do what I tell you to do. Well, Balaam goes to the king of Moab. Instead of cursing the people of Israel, he blesses them. How do you like that? Um, And so it's a great story. If you've never read this story, Numbers 22, that's where it's at. Very interesting story. Um, My point here is that when we've made a misstep, God takes action, and sometimes he intercepts our plans to keep us from going down a wrong path. God's desire for us is so passionate that he just won't let us go without stepping in. He he steps in, he prevents us from making mistakes. And you know, when we've gone a long way down the road, we we, we made the mistake and then we just kept going, and we're way down the road. God doesn't just say, well, they're long gone now. I guess we'll just let them go. Even then, he does not do that. He goes and he tries to win us back. He never stops going after us. That is his jealousy for us. In order to realize what a small stray step does to God's heartstrings, we need to realize that all it takes is a little bit. Every little bit of straying sets off his jealousy. So let's say, you know, just a little bit. Let's say that you see your spouse flirting with someone else. And you feel a little bit of jealousy. And they've crossed some boundary. And you can tell that the behavior, you know, if they really meant to be flirting, you know, it's really not okay. It's one of those things like, ooh, that's not okay if that's, if that's for real. Whatever they did, it looked like real romantic affection. But you think, well, maybe they didn't mean it that way. Maybe it, was, maybe it was just a mistake. They weren't being careful. And so afterwards, you bring it up to them. You say, hey, you know, I saw you doing this. I just, I just didn't feel real good about that. You know, was that real romantic affection? Was that intentional? And you're hoping it wasn't intentional. But they say, yeah, it was intentional. I can be romantic with other people. It's just a little bit. At least in my world, that would not compute, you know? Real, intentional, romantic affection directed towards another person outside of the marriage relationship? You know, romantic affection is supposed to stay inside the marriage relationship. I don't think that would compute with us. Even just a little bit. If it was intentional, it wouldn't compute. And we wouldn't need to feel bad about being jealous in that sort of scenario. And you know why? Because it doesn't compute with God either. When you, bring, when you do something where you begin to experiment with other spiritual powers, where you stop all contact with God, maybe you put something in your life in a place of higher priority than God, he gets jealous. He does not feel good about that. Even just a little bit will set off his concern. So let's talk about actual stuff. Whenever you, whenever you seek out spiritual guidance and help from a higher power other than God, you are doing something that displeases him and sets off his jealousy. I'll say it again. Whenever you seek out spiritual guidance and help 
from a higher power other than God, you are doing something that displeases him and it sets off his jealousy. Here's some examples, real real life examples. Horoscopes. Some of you may read horoscopes. If you're going to follow God, you really shouldn't do this. When you read horoscopes, you're looking for guidance in life from a spiritual power other than God. God doesn't like it. The Bible talks, you know, the Bible actually talks about this. It talks about um, getting advice from people who will read the stars in order to tell you your future. And he's very clear that this is displeasing to him. Isaiah 47, 13 is the reference there if you, if you want to look it up. That's just one spot, but there are others. Part of the reason it displeases him, you know, is because... Instead of receiving the good guidance that he wants to give us, that we, that we need, that is healthy and good and wonderful for us, what we've got is a cheap substitute. And he doesn't feel good about that because it's not good for us. We're missing out. So God says we shouldn't do this. Um, palm readers and fortune tellers, it's the same deal. You're looking for guidance from a spiritual power other than God. And he says it's like cheating on him. Deuteronomy 18.10 is the one that talks about those. Um, and, and, you know, remember, it's all over the place, though. That's just one verse. Remember, just because our culture says it's not a big deal doesn't mean that God thinks it's not a big deal, right? Our culture says it's not a big deal, but that doesn't mean that that's how God feels. That doesn't mean that's what's true. Witchcraft and the Wiccan stuff, same deal, same verse. Um, incorporating other parts of religions in with Christianity... You know, if you're taking bits of Islam and Hinduism um, and you're mixing them in and you've got a few different gods that you're worshiping at the same time, lots of people do this, but God is really clear on this. It's, it's actually the first of the Ten Commandments. He says, you shall not have any other god but me. And this is not to say that you can't read the spiritual books of other faiths to understand them better, or to dialogue with a friend who, who believes these things. You want to dialogue about faith and spiritual things. It doesn't mean you can't read these things. Just don't experiment with them. Don't practice them. Even just a little bit of experimentation is not okay. And I want to acknowledge here that there's a little bit of nuance here in how far is too far. When does investigation become experimentation? And, you know, if you have a question about this or that and wondering whether, you know, this thing that you've heard about is okay, uh, I, I want to encourage you, just ask one of our elders or our leaders, and together we'll take the Bible and we'll apply it to your scenario, your distinct scenario. But this stuff matters to God. If it didn't matter to him, there wouldn't be so many passages that talk about it. You know, you know, God's jealousy is not one of those subjects where we kind of go to the Bible and we're like, oh, we've got to find one verse on jealousy. Where's, where's the verse? You know, it's not one of those deals. It's like all over the place. It's like the jealousy is in here because we just couldn't ignore it. It's all over the place. That's why it's part of our Divine Emotion series. He talks about it a lot. And some of these things, they're small deals to us, maybe small deals to our culture, but they're a big deal to God. So back to what we were talking about in the first place. How do you keep yourself from straying from God? Number one, don't play with fire. Don't start experimenting with other spiritual sources of guidance and help. God wants to be our spiritual guide, our ultimate guide, our only spiritual guide. When you stray from him and start experimenting, you've got to realize what that does to his heart. He cares about you with a protective, passionate, fatherly jealousy. It pains him 
to see you taking a step in the wrong direction. You need to realize how emotionally God, emotionally involved God is with you. He is in deep. His, his love for you is passionate. His desire for you is described like a consuming fire. He wants you. He wants you because he loves you. And finally, you need to get emotionally involved with God just the way he is in love with you. And if you jump into this relationship with your emotions and all of who you are, you'll just never find it easy to walk away from him or stray from him. Because as soon as you start to stray or cheat on him, you'll just start feeling this emotional upsetness. And, and in many ways, you'll just never go there because you'll just be too wrapped up in his love. His jealousy can be like a hedge of protection around you. Please stand.